Nights Podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Willie. I'm Nick. And uh, today we have a special Skype guest joining us for the first time ever over Skype. We have the Van Damsel himself, Mr. Tim Long. Good evening, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Good evening. It's nice to have you back. Nice to be back. Even even virtually. Wow. Well, <laughs> that's, um, that's how I do my thing. So. <laughs> he has his spot at the table, so that's that's what's important. He does. Yeah. He does. <laughs> um, so today we're going to go over a little bit of what we've been watching as usual. We're going to move into some movie news, even though there's not much this week. Then we're finally going to do a full review. This week it is John M. Chu's G.I. Joe Retaliation. So this is like the, the the unofficial G.I. Joe week or two on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, so. this is the G.I. Joe half month. Yeah, I just like month. that you introduced him as John M. Chu, like he's an auteur. Uh, the auteur John M. Chu. Are you saying John M. Chu is not an auteur? Did you see Step Up Two? Was it Step Up to the Streets that he did? Of course, it was Step Up to the Streets. We'll get to but it. But no, I have not seen it. <laughs> I have. So. All right. Well, you can. You can impart that knowledge while we discuss G.I. Joe Retaliation. Um, So I think we'll move right into what we've been watching. Uh, Tim, what have you been watching this past week or whenever? Um, I have been catching up on a lot of horror movies from the last couple years. Um, Just, I'm trying to think of the ones I've watched. There's some good stuff out there. It's just you got, with horror, you've got to look for it quite a bit at this point. Um, what I watched yesterday was called The ABCs of Death. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. Um, it's, it's an anthology series. It's 26 um, short films of, yeah. people, of people just dying in just weird, <laughs> weird ways by 26 different directors. It's a really awesome idea that has all the problems you would expect from a movie with 26 short films. Like, it's just... like. I'm going to say 80% of them are terrible, 10% are pretty good, and the other 10% are really awesome. So if you break it down that way, I don't know how the math works. Alex, maybe you can help me. Uh, <laughs> if I was paying a little bit more attention instead of looking at my phone. <laughs> now, Tim, yeah, you're the, you're well, a... you're the science guy. from. Give me, give me those percentages again. Uh, 80%, 80, well, 10, 26 movies, 80% were terrible, 10% were good. 10% were awesome. That's not an even divide. Yeah, it doesn't so work, it doesn't does work it? out. Okay. Now, Tim, I know that you're not a huge fan of uh, horror movie director Ty West. Ty West. He, he has, has a segment, a sh- right? He has a segment in that. And? It's, it's not even... It's a joke segment. It's about... Uh, can I spoil the ABCs of death? Are we good here? You can probably say something about it. I'll, I mean, I was really looking forward to it, but... It's... It's well. It's about a thirty-second segment, and it's all built around the punchline is the title. Okay. So, I won't give it away. But it's not very funny anyway. It's okay. So. You can give it away. I was just joking. I, you know, I don't think I want to give it away. Okay. Okay. <laughs> is that the only thing the movie has going for it? It's a little disturbing. Well, it's just a little. It's a little much. But I okay. do want to talk about the Japanese short film. Um, F is for fart, is what it's called because each of them is about a letter of the alphabet. So. One of them is called F is for Far, and I do want to spoil this one. Okay. Um, the plot of it is two Japanese schoolgirls get together, and one of them doesn't believe in God. So the other one uh, farts in her face, and they both die, and then they make out in heaven. And that's the end of it. <laughs> swear, Sounds swear suitably Japanese. It's the most Japanese thing I've ever seen in my life. Are there, are there tentacles? 
There might be. I don't really remember. Like, I kind of – like, I just – the the whole four minutes was just me going, come on, Japan. <laughs> Get it together, Japan. <laughs> but there are, like, a, there are a couple amazing ones. Jason Eisner, who did Hobo with a Shotgun, his oh, yeah. segment is called uh, Why is for Young Buck. And even if you just look it up on YouTube, you should do it because it's amazing. So okay. if you're a horror fan, I would recommend it because you're probably going to watch it at some point. But just go into it knowing you're probably going to have to split it up into two viewings like I did. Because <laughs> it's just too much. It's overkill. So, How long yeah. is it? Two hours and ten minutes. Most of the segments are under about five minutes. So Okay. So, All right. Anything else you've been watching? Uh, oh, I've been watching The West Wing. But I've watched yeah. that before. And it's, I mean, they don't have any F's for fart. <laughs> the West Wing, unfortunately. But, okay. but it's good. It's just as good as I remember it. So. Well, good. Yeah. All right, Nick, what have you been watching? I've been watching myself play Bioshock Infinite. Yeah. <laughs> and I know I watched another movie too, but uh, today actually I watched um, Once Upon a Time in the West for the first time. Okay. It's a movie I've been, no joke, I've been trying to watch for nine years. And <laughs> I just find the timing never worked out. I just always would watch something else or I wouldn't be in the mood for Westerns or something. But, um, this time I finally got around to it because it was on Netflix and I was like, all right. Um, it was really, really cool. I mean, yeah. I like I like Westerns a lot. Um, I know they're definitely not everybody's cup of tea. A lot of people have a hard time with them because they tend to get pretty tedious sometimes. Um, but I think that's, that's, I don't know, it's something I like about the genre is it's always very measured and the patient. Yes, yeah. yes. And the second viewing is always better than the first viewing of a Western. Okay. Because the first time you'll always get a little bit impatient and go to your phone or go to something else. But once the movie's over and you know the whole scope of it from A to B, you want to watch it again because you know the pacing now and you know when things are going to happen. It's always better the second time around, I think. Um, but it was really good. I liked it a lot. I mean, Leone is awesome. His movies are yeah. always beautiful. The soundtrack was amazing. Willie knows. Oh, yeah. You know. Love him. Uh, it was great. Everybody in it's really good. It was cool to see Henry Fonda playing a villain, a really, really awful villain, too. Uh, not much more to say about that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I've wanted to do like some sort of Western education for myself because I haven't, ve- I haven't seen very many. I don't think I've seen any that I can really think of off the top of my head, besides Back to the Future 3, of course. <laughs> have, you seen Go- have you seen Ghost Rider? No, I Henry Fonda's in that too. I think. Yeah. So. No, Peter Fonda's in that. Peter Fonda. Oh yeah. yeah. Right. You got your Fondas mixed up too. And, and Western mainstay Sam. <laughs> but I'm so fond of both of them. So. <laughs> yeah, I've seen almost All right, every. I think that's the end of the podcast. Tonight, huh? <laughs> I've seen almost every Clint Eastwood Western, and then I had yet to see a Leone one that didn't have him in it. So it was cool to see uh, Charles Bronson. He's basically the lead in that, and um, something a little bit different. And in the trivia, they said he originally wanted. Eli Wallach, Lee Van Cleef, and Clint Eastwood to cameo in it. The three guys from oh, Ben Ugly. It would have been so distracting, though. It would have been yeah, terrible. yeah, no, it would have been. It would have been awful. But um, so thank God Clint Eastwood's star was on the rise, and he was like, "I don't want to do that." <laughs> <laughs> Not doing these spaghetti westerns anymore. He didn't want to be a bad guy, I guess. Yeah. It would have been interesting to see him as a villain, though. I think. Yeah. yeah. It would have been a cool, cool turn for him because he's yeah. never really done it. So, not that I'm aware of. High Plains Drifter is. His character is questionable in intent, but it's, hey, oh, it's such an awesome movie. What's that, Tim? I was. Have you ever? Has anybody ever seen The Beguiled with Clint Eastwood in it? 
No. No. No, it's really good. It's really a dark kind of western for Clint Eastwood. He plays kind of a half, I guess you'd call it an anti-hero, but it's really, really good. So I would recommend that, too. All right. Cool. Uh, Willie? Um, usually once a year I sit down and do a bit of a, um, a Romero fest. Yeah. I, I Only once a year? Usually, like, I mean, I, I watch them multiple times in the year, but I never really sit down and watch. watch. A bunch of them. I, I like to watch typically night, down, and day. And um, so I randomly decided to do that again this year. And, um, God, I love those movies. <laughs> and it, it's funny because I've seen, I mean, Night of the Living Dead is probably the one I've seen the least of the three. Um, and, but it's, it's so good. And it's so ahead of its time. It really is. I mean, beyond just the zombie thing, because we look at movies now and it's like the zombie crazes everywhere. Yeah. And it started in 1968 with that movie. I mean, the, the modern zombie as we know it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it's still such a creepy movie. I mean, the shots of there's the shots. It's it's filmed in black and white, you know. Yeah. Um, and there's shots kind of from the point of view of the people in the house, and like you know, they kind of check in with the same uh, geographical areas around the house throughout the course of the movie. Every once in a while, they look yeah. through a window, you know. And every time they look out the window, it's like every ten minutes in the movie or so, there's more zombies like approaching the house. Sure, yeah. So it really it has this cool build. This this natural like escalation of like the the urgency of what they have to getting out of there gets more and more it's got a bit of silliness in it too doesn't it night doesn't have a ton of silliness in it um actually yeah don see night was very much um kind of a tribute almost to those kind of you know the plan nine from outer space and all that kind of stuff was really it was kind of his version of that but he took it very seriously and of course he he loves his social commentary yeah he tries to insert those in pretty much any movie he does Nowadays, he's a little bit more heavy-handed with it, um, <laughs> but uh, you know. But but back then, he was. This was all. It was kind of a race thing. Um, he cast an African American actor in the lead, which at that time was really you didn't do it. Yeah. Um, and he was the hero of the show. I mean, and and then I won't spoil anything. I mean, it's an old movie, so I shouldn't have to worry about spoilers. But it's it's totally the ending fits that theme. Okay. Um, have you ever seen it, Alex? I feel like I did a long time ago, but I don't. It's it's worthy of a rewatch. It'd be, it'd be it's a amazing. Rewatch for it's me. it's worthy of a rewatch. And then Don, which of course is uh, ten years later, he went back and was convinced by uh, Italian horror auteur Dario Argento to make a sequel. Um, Who was one of the story creators of Once Upon a Time in the West, actually? Yeah, yeah, Argento was involved in that. Yeah, and um, he. Uh, it, Dawn of the Dead is kind of the more comic booky. It's the romp, you know. It's it's okay. it's fun. It's colorful. It's you know got zombie pie fighting and stuff. It's <laughs> I mean, it's it's not it's not a joke of a movie. I mean, it's very it's when it gets heavy, it gets heavy, and it's yeah. it's there's a reason why it is the quintessential zombie film. And anybody who is into The Walking Dead or you know the zombie video games that are so popular now, like please watch Dawn of the Dead, the original, because it's. I mean, that's where all this stuff is is really coming from. Yeah. Um, and then Day, which is <laughs> which is my favorite of the three, and it, it didn't used to be my favorite of the three. Don used to when I was younger because it was so much fun. You know, it was like yeah. uh, it was an adventure. You know, and um, Day is just like the opposite of Dawn of the Dead. It's dark. It's gloomy. No one is likable. Um, they're in a they're underground in a mine the whole time. It's it's like the, but it's so much fun. I feel like every time I watch it, I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, like it's just, 
I feel grimy afterwards, but it yeah. feels great. <laughs> so, if you have not seen those, you should see all of them. All right. They're super awesome. I've only, I feel as though the only Romero, like, ancillary Romero experience, uh, experiences I've had is the remake of Dawn and Land of the Dead. And, and uh, honestly, I, I, I like Land of the Dead. Um, I don't, it's not nearly on par with those first three. But I, it's I, I thought it was an enjoyable movie, and oh. I, I could tell it was Romero directing it, even though it was a bigger budget studio film. I, all, it still felt like Romero all, to me. All that I remember is fireworks and John Leguizamo. So well, Leguizamo's pretty good, and and we can't <laughs> ever discount usual. the Hopper. One of his last performances, That's I think, true. actually. Um, oh, wait, wait, did he die? Dennis Hopper? Oh, I thought you said I thought we were still talking about John Leguizamo. <laughs> <I'm sorry>. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Poor one out for John Leguizamo. Not, not Johnny Leagues. <laughs> I just nicknamed him that. Yeah. Um, but no, uh, Land is okay. And, and the remake of Dawn is, I mean, this is, uh, you know, when I heard they were remaking Dawn of the Dead, I knew it was inevitable, but I was terrified at the concept of them remaking this movie. And somehow Zack Snyder... And James Gunn. And James Gunn made a really, really, really enjoyable movie. And it, that, that stands on its own. Yeah. And, you know, other than the zombies in the, in the mall setting, there's no similarity whatsoever. Yeah. And it's one of the best action movies of that decade, I think. Um, Shout out for Ty Burrell. Ty Burrell, fantastic. Always yeah. good. <laughs> Especially as a villain, which is really strange thinking about it now with Modern Family. And, yeah, but, absolutely. But uh, he played a really good creep in that movie. So. He does. Anyway, but anything, you know, Romero, just watch the first three. Sit down and really and watch them and, and look at the progression of him as a filmmaker, too, because it's really interesting. You can see him getting more and more bitter as time goes on, <laughs> uh, which is a lot of fun. Well, maybe we'll have to, like, spend some time in October... Drilling Romero into my head. I think I think we could have a little mini Romero cast. I mean, yeah, that's always been a, a bonus episode. I I love talking Romero, so all right, <laughs> I'm down. All right, um, so I watched uh, against Willie's better judgment and Nick's better judgment and everybody's better judgment. I watched Alien Three, <laughs> and then I watched Alien Resurrection immediately afterwards. <laughs> um, Alien Three was pretty pretty boring like it's I, I like some of the themes that they wanted to explore with it like her being on like it, it, it's interesting it gives you another glimpse into like the future that the alien movies exist in in the sense of here's this planet that was like a prison colony and Wayland yutani has like taken everybody off of it and just left the skeleton crew behind and you know like why do they still want this prison colony still operating and mm-hmm. you know and the idea of throwing like a woman into this colony and, and seeing how those dynamics play out it's an interesting idea but I don't think it executes very well um, Charles Dance is definitely the best part of the movie in my opinion oh, Ty, yeah, he's Ty, Tywin Lannister himself. if your last name is Dance the odds are good you're probably the best part of everything <laughs> yeah, it's true but yeah, Charles Dance was awesome, and I liked. I it is David Fincher's first film, and there are a few moments that are like, particularly in the spoiler alert and and Charles Dance's character's death, that like right before it happens, there's a lot of really up close and personal shots between him and Ripley, mm-hmm. and a lot of that was very interesting, and just a lot of the little choices that are made here and there, it's it's interesting to take a look at, and then even some of the special effects that are in the beginning of the movie, it looks very different than anything else that you're going to see in 1992. So it has some merit, but not the merit that's worth watching it. Um, it's a pretty movie in a lot of spots. Yeah. It, yes. it, 
it has some very pretty moments, but um, it's the the content's not there in my opinion. So, um, Alien Resurrection, I was excited to to check out because of Joss Whedon, and I, I think it was a mistake watching it right after Alien Three because I was so over <laughs> like Alien in general that <laughs> I didn't have like an amazing time watching it, but. Ron Perlman steals the screen every single time that he's on. Always, and, everywhere, yeah. and uh, and it. I Willie, you did say beforehand. It's kind of like a like a. It was training wheels for Sur- or for Firefly in a way. Yeah, like, you can see the the gears in Whedon's brain going. I want to make a show out of this, you know, like with the space yeah. space smugglers and whatnot. So. And it's interesting, like hearing them talk in like a sort of dialect, much like they do in Firefly, and and having the interplay between everybody on the clue it, on the crew it was it was it was interesting but the science behind it I won't even get into <laughs> I'll have another science rant later in the later in the podcast but the science of alien resurrection does not hold up so just in case you guys are curious number one they don't have I'm gonna get into it right now number <laughs> do one it, do it yeah. they shouldn't have any blood samples from her because Charles Danza wouldn't have taken them on, in the third one because he didn't have any analysis equipment for that Fair enough. So, okay. Even if you clone somebody off of their blood, which number one isn't possible in the first place, but number two, you're not going to be able to clone the alien that was within their womb with their blood. It just doesn't work that way. I'm sorry. Yet. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yet. Or ever. But I guess you're we'll sure never Charles know. Dance couldn't do this. Positive. <laughs> I, I I think. Well, yeah. Maybe Charles Dance. His character was just. In the pocket of Wayland Utah. Not even his, not even his character, just him in general. Like, just, yeah. <laughs> well, I think Charles Dance is capable of it. Have you, have you asked Charles Dance himself? Have you, have you, you know, tried to? I no, I, I was gonna say maybe this is like a meta thing where like the movie's like Charles, Charles Dance, Dance master like, of has taken over the body of this character. Charles <laughs> no. Dance is actually Mister Sinister. <laughs> Whoa, that would be good. That would be good, actually. I could, I like, <laughs> You just stumbled upon one of the greatest ideas that's ever been heard. But yeah. yeah, so I mean, that's that's basically all I watched. I watched the season finale of Walking Dead, season three. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it wasn't what they built up it to be. Like it felt like they were gonna go a lot crazier with it. Didn't and, pack much of a punch for a season finale. And no. I'm, I'm talking about like on any show, let alone Walking Dead. Yeah, but so. I do I do like where I I like that they're differentiating more from the comic now because if, if you're not going to follow it straight up I'd like you to go in different directions and explore different things and I think they're setting up for that for season 4 So, yeah I think the potential for really kind of going off the beaten path is there Yeah, I, I mean whether they do it or not we'll see Yeah, but. we'll see um, film news there's not a whole lot to talk about a bunch of little casting news um, at the moment we can start off with uh Judy Greer will be Cornelia to uh, Andy Serkis's Caesar in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, it's mostly mocap, I think, is what she's going to be doing. I don't think the apes are going to be talking a whole lot in this new one, although we don't really know. But um, she has a bit of a personal connection to it because her husband is like a huge Planet of the Apes fan. Like, <laughs> Gigantic Planet of the Apes fan, so it's one of those one of those roles where it's like your relative is telling you you got to take this, otherwise I'm going to disown you, kind of thing. So that's interesting because Judy Greer's mostly a TV person. 
it seems like. I mean, she's popped up in every TV show I've ever watched at some point. <laughs> Seriously. It's like, oh, there's Judy Greer. Like, you know you have a show on your hands when Judy Greer pops up. Well, even beyond that, she's a comedy person, like, yeah. straight up. Yeah. And she's amazing at it. So, it's an interesting direction for her to go. Yeah. Tim, do you have any thoughts in particular? I'm, I'm really excited for this movie. Like, really yeah. excited. More than... And I was excited for the first one, because I'm, I'm a big Planet of the Apes fan. And I... This one I'm really excited for... And I really liked, um, really liked him so much. I forgot his name. Who was the director of the first one? Rupert Wyatt. Rupert Wyatt. I really liked what he did, but I kind of like how in the Planet of the Apes, it's a different director each movie. Like I like yeah. people bringing their own perspective in. So I'm excited for that. And I like Judy Greer a lot. So, and the name Cornelia is obviously a tie into Cornelius from the first, from the original series. Um, yeah. So yeah, and her husband actually, I did we mention this? She. She played the Planet of the Apes, he played the Planet of the Apes movies at their wedding reception, which is bizarre. Yeah, and I don't really yeah. understand what? that. Yeah, so that's just wow. weird. But so, um, yeah, it's like they they have some sort of deep connection to it. But yeah, interesting. But no, it's cool casting. I hope the I hope the apes do talk more. I kind of hope they go. Yeah, I would like them to, but I, you know, <laughs> I don't. I don't know how logical the progression is. We'll have to see what they have yeah. in store. But. I think it all depends on the passage of time too, which we yeah. don't have any real. No idea. It's like 20 years, didn't they say? I'm not sure. Oh, did they say? Okay. They I said in the press release how okay. many years oh, after it is. Yeah. Well, interesting. I think it's like 20, 20 or 30. Okay. All right, so next up on the docket, we've got Kate Mara joining Wally Fister's Transcendence. That's alongside um, Johnny Depp, I believe, in the lead role. Uh, Casting News is kind of boring, guys. <laughs> Well, these are all boring people well, to talk about. These are all boring. They're, they're not only are they boring people, Except but they're Judy. also like side roles. So, yeah, I don't, whatever. Wait, okay. who was it? Let, was Kate Mara and Kate Mara in Wally Fister's Transcendence. Wally Fister being Christopher yep. Nolan's longtime uh, cinematographer. Okay, I thought there was another cast. I like Kate Mara. I like she's, Kate Mara too. So, she's pretty to look at. Pretty, yeah. She can act. Yeah, I, mean, I, I liked her on American Horror Story. She was great in Shooter. Yes. I'm going to go with American Horror Story over Shooter, but... I'm not, Alex. <laughs> Good. Tim's Good. on your side. Tim's with me. All right. Um, Wait, we're, um, are, we, are we moving on from Transcendence? Well, we can. What do you want to say? I was just curious. Uh, where is he shooting it? Is he shooting it in Chicago? I'm not sure. Okay. I don't know if we have that news yet. Do you know that? Do, do you have an inside scoop, Tim? I thought Nick might. <laughs> Wally hasn't told me yet. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uncle Wally. <laughs> Uncle Wally. I know it. I mean, the... I, no, I, I don't know. I'm probably in I think, regardless, I think but Chicago. If you shoot in Chicago, I'm definitely in because I like the way Wally Fister shoots Chicago. So, I don't know. I'd be curious if it. I'd rather see him go somewhere else, get a new look. Yeah. I mean, we've seen we've seen the bejesus out of Chicago. I don't even. Do we even really know that much about Transcendence? Because I feel like it's, it's pretty sci-fi, and maybe it's not going to be so real world. It might be largely studio. Yeah. yeah. But he we'll seems see. like a guy who likes practical stuff that's true so that's yeah that's kind of what i was thinking it depends on where the incentives are i mean i don't think there's that much in chicago i mean obviously they're gonna have tons of money so it doesn't really matter yeah i don't want them to shoot it'll it'll be curious they might go overseas i mean who knows what was that Tim? i don't want them to shoot in new mexico i don't like when people shoot albuquerque (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot of people shooting albuquerque yeah that's true all right um next up adding on to the cast of weird we have bj novak for the Amazing Spider-Man Two, rumored to be an Oscorp employee. Yeah, which is probably what it is. News news broke on uh, 
Mark Webb's Twitter account where he's been posting pictures of, of production as they go along. That's cool. I mean, that's yeah, it's probably just going to be some sort of comedic beat. You it's, know, it's possible. He yeah. wanted an office type that could, I don't know, bounce off of Peter or something like that. So I like PJ Novak. I'm what do you think, that. Tim? PJ Novak. Go for it. How, yeah. how's, he, <laughs> how's he gonna play against uh, Paul Giamatti's Rhino? <laughs> I, 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 the cast is the cast is the cast is interesting. Um, I don't have an opinion on BJ Novak. Okay, let's end it there. All right, <laughs> all right. Moving on, <laughs> moving on, because film news this week is is booming. Um, we've got Guillermo del Toro at WonderCon dropping some news on Dark Universe or Justice League Dark. Uh, we've got a direct quote from him. He said, "On Justice League Dark or Dark Universe, what we're going, uh, what we're doing is we finished the Bible." So, side note here, they finished kind of the backstory and everything that they want to be behind these characters. The reference book, basically. Yeah, probably the origins and how, like, some some of, you know, what has shaped them as people. And back to his quote. Then we're going to start the screenplay with a writer we hope we can announce very soon. I don't know if that means whether or not they actually have the writer in the fold or if they're still looking for one. Um... And then he said, what I'm doing is the lead character that guides us through that is Constantine. This is John Constantine. Uh, he, ex- he explicitly lists blonde. Yep. He's the blonde John Constantine. Blonde Constantine, yeah. Blonstantine? <laughs> uh, he's basically trying to recruit these guys. On Etrigan, I'm using Jace's blood in the time of Merlin. We get to their origin through the story. We don't make uh, the origin story at the top. We find, out, we find it out as they each have mysteries to solve. Swamp Thing is at peace with who he is, but Dead Man still needs to figure out who shot him. It's all woven in. When I was a kid, my two favorite characters in the whole DC universe were Etrigan and Swamp Thing, so I'm in heaven. So, I mean, to tell you the truth, I'm more excited about this Justice League movie than I am about I am the normal one. I am too. I'm always down to see what Guillermo can, can pull out. I think, uh, you know having him on this sort of dark Justice League with all these crazy characters, you know, only... You can only get something good out of crazy characters and, and, and character design with oh, yeah. Guillermo del Toro. It fits, it fits like a glove for him. I mean, it's... And I think that, like, I'm not a huge DC guy, but those are always the characters from DC that I've had interest in. The kind of anti-heroes? Yeah, the, the real almost gothic, like the dark, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the very... Animal Man and Swamp Thing and, uh, you know, the Demon and all that stuff. Like, those are the guys that I think are cool. So. Booster Gold. Booster Gold, yeah. <laughs> Maybe not Booster Gold, but... <laughs> <clears throat> Tim, any thoughts on uh, Justice League Dark or Dark Universe? I love Swamp Thing, like, a lot. Um, oh, yeah. Let's leave it there like BJ Novak. No, um, <laughs> no, it's just one of those things. Del Toro likes to tease me with things, and... He doesn't yeah, do should... some of them because, like, he teased me with that Frankenstein movie forever, that Guillermo del Tori, Fra- Tori, Toro Frankenstein movie forever, and then he never did it, <laughs> and it made me really sad because yeah. I would love a Guillermo del Toro uh, Frankenstein. So I'll believe it when I see it. Honestly, it'll That's it true. sounds great, but I can't get too excited about it. <laughs> Very true. I mean, Smart. that's the thing is that he does have another movie in between. Yep. Um, Pacific Rim and this Justice League Dark film uh, the name of which is 
Crimson Peak. But um, yeah, I'll I'll be excited to see if we can actually get this movie out of Guillermo. Maybe Crimson Peak will get canceled like uh, At the Mountains of Madness did before <laughs> Pacific Rim started. He filming. struggled with that thing for a That's long right. time. That's right. That was the other one I was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you know. We'll take this with a with a grain of salt, but it'll be interesting to see. Even if Guillermo doesn't end up on the project in the end, it'll see. It'll, it'll be interesting to see where uh, Warner goes with it, or DC, or Legendary, whoever is going to be dealing the DC film people. What they're going to do with the script when it ends up being written, I, I I'm excited to see where it goes. So I think that's about it. Any other thoughts? Did we hear from Nick on that one? Nick. Nick, are you there? Nick left. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I'm in the same boat as you, Tim. I'm like, whatever. I'm waiting to hear more um, before I really get excited for it. I think John Const- a real like comic-based John Constantine could be really awesome to take the center stage. What do you mean? We already got that. <laughs> in what reality? Just because his hair isn't blonde doesn't mean he's not the John Constantine. Shut up. Shut up, Alex. <laughs> Shut up. I hate you. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up our uh, our film news. But uh, we'll move right into John M. Chu's G.I. Joe Retaliation, um, starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Channing Tatum. <laughs> Channing Tatum, DJ Cotrona, and uh, Adrian Palicki. Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis, Ray Park. Jonathan Price. All across face. <laughs> Arnold Fosley's CG face, Byung Hoon Lee, and our synopsis is: the GI Joes are not only fighting their mortal enemy Cobra, they are forced to contend with threats from within the government that jeopardize their very existence. So, um, yeah. So you heard our thoughts on GI Joe: The Rise of Cobra last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think all around it was it was one of those it's not an amazing movie but it's a lot of fun to watch and, and especially with with a group of friends absolutely um tim happened to be the only one of us to see it in 3d oh so uh, i think we'll throw to tim what did, what did you think about gi joe retaliation give us some general thoughts here well i'll start off by um saying that i liked the first one um just a little background i saw it in the theater and left the theater liking it and then every time, it's like every Steven Summers movie since, like, the first Mummy, I end up turning it off on DVD halfway through because I get a giant headache. So yeah. I, like, I can't sit through it anymore, but I, I still like it. I mean, it's fine. But, um, so, it's it's goofy. The first one's goofy, fun. Um, this one, I think I kind of liked about the same. It's just the strengths and weaknesses are a little they're different um this one feels like a direct-to-video movie for half of it so (laughs) and that well because half of it's the mountain fight because there's a mountain fight and it looks really awesome it's a lot of fun but everything else is just really flat and just cheap looking um but that in some ways is part of its charm uh, for me is just because it reminded me of a lot of those i'm thinking like mid 90s to uh I'm distracted. Uh, mid-90s movies were that are made for, like, I don't know, like 20 bucks. And, like, yeah. even, like, the big stuff they did, like, the the Arnold Vosloh stuff cracks me up a lot. Because you can tell, 
Like, they're just trying to work him in anyway because the Voslo is going to bring in the tickets. Like, they got to get him in I, there. Like, the people, the first, the Voslo fans in the first film are just going to be so disappointed if he doesn't show up in G.I. Joe I mean, 2. So they're trying to I work him excited. in there for continuity's sake, and it's just, it makes really no sense. Um, I'm of, not even convinced that he was ever on set. No, I don't I think, think so either. I think they just took his name and his image. I but. think that, I, honestly, I think it was all CG. Yeah. 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 So... The first one feels... Uh, the first one, they go for it. It's big, it's goofy, but it's just... Like I said, it's it's like eating too much candy. The first one for me at some point. Like, you just get a headache and you're tired. And <laughs> beaten down by the end of it. This one feels so small. Like, the... I don't think I'm spoiling too much, but, like, the final fight is just, like, four guys on a beach. And, like... Yeah. Like, it's... That's it. But in a way, that's kind of its charm to me, is it's just so cheap, and they're obviously working around some sort of budget that it it, it makes me laugh quite a bit. Um, well, they had, they had like a hundred and... 130. Yeah, 130 million dollars. And that's so weird, because it's not on screen, other than, other is it, than the is mountain it, scene. Is it all... Yeah, I was going to say, is it all the mountain scene? Like, was that 130 million dollars? <laughs> like, I guess. Um... <laughs> It doesn't look like $130 million, but... Yeah. No. The acting is... Um, the acting for... <laughs> like at, the Rock's The Rock. I mean, pretty much all he has to do at this point is show up and be The Rock. Uh, Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum and The Rock are really good together. Yeah. For the short time they're yeah. on in their own bro... Bro... Bro-y way. Um, the guy that plays Flint is a void... Just a black hole <laughs> of anything. Uh, Bruce Bruce is awake for most of it. Bruce Willis is awake. I, like, I think they filmed most of his scenes at his house. He looks kind of hungover. <laughs> a lot of them. Um, the, kid, the, the voice of Cobra is not as good as uh, JGL in the first one, but he, no, he plays it not. up enough that I'm okay with it. Jonathan Price is amazing. I forgot. Yeah. Oh, he's, he does a fist bump in this movie. I'll just put that out there. <laughs> And I think that's about all I have to say. So for now, I'll, go, right. I'll throw it to somebody else. And and well, the three D real quick. Just oh, the three no, there was it's pointless. Like do, so, so don't waste the it, what is it two seventy five bump? Yeah, I, I, it wasn't worth the um, no, save it. eight ten ten month uh, delay or whatever it received. No, no, uh, for the two seventy five, just buy a couple Gatorades. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Nick. Do you have any thoughts on on GI Joe Retaliation? I think Tim really get out of my head, Tim. <laughs> uh, no, he. I think you pretty much nailed it. I mean, well, it's it's hard for me to tell Tim from what you said. Are you saying you like this one better than the first one? No, I like them about the same. Um, okay, I just think they have like different strengths and weaknesses to them. So, yeah. yeah, I got gotcha. you. I like the first one a lot more than this one. Okay. I enjoyed this one. I mean, it was definitely fun. If I had seen it by myself. I probably wouldn't have liked it as much. It was fun, like with the same with the first one though. With the camaraderie is fun. Yeah. But I think the first one is way more of a GI Joe movie. The only thing, if I could transplant from Retaliation over to Rise of Cobra, would be the costuming is a lot better in this one. Yeah. I think. Um, but I think in the in the first one, it feels way more like a crazy GI Joe movie to me. With all the, it feels like they're in like giant toys all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, the set pieces are really big. yeah. In the first one, it's it, exactly it's way more GI Joe-ish, with the exception in this one. The only things I think that were better, the presence of the Rock was cool. 
he definitely fits in that universe really well. Yeah. Uh, the ninja fight and the on the mountains, pretty much everything involving the ninjas is sweet. The uh, the the battle towards the end with Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow together was very 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 cool. Yeah. Uh, that definitely would have fit well in the first movie. But Spoiler alert. It was sweet. Oh, whatever. Um, yeah, sorry for the people waiting to hear uh, all, all the spoiler section on G.I. Joe. Uh, I also loved the vehicles in this one, though. The vehicles were awesome. Yeah. All the boats and the tanks mm-hmm. and uh, everything. The tank flying over the hills at, like, 60 miles an hour was hilarious. Yeah. yeah a lot, some of the set pieces were there in this one, but overall, I think the first one's a lot stronger. It feels more like... Like, we all kind of laughed at the first one at the time. We were like, wow, this is pretty corny. But now, after seeing the sequel, I feel like Steven Summers got it a little bit more. He had a little more fun with it. Yeah. It seems like John Chu and the studios maybe couldn't quite decide how silly they wanted to make it or how serious they wanted to make it. Like, we talked about this after the movie, too, that this one... This isn't really the franchise where you make... It's like the Oceans movies, like Oceans 12... You don't take that franchise to a darker, more serious place. It doesn't make sense. No. That's why Ocean's 13, I think, is so much stronger than 12, because they kind of were like, wait, we don't need to be so serious with it. So if the news that broke today that there is a third G.I. Joe movie, if that's true, which I'm assuming it is, um, I think they should re- they should let loose a little bit more yeah. and not be so concerned about making like a, a revenge story. Yeah, which is a weird angle to go for. It's very weird. Joe. But I think like we well we can talk about it more in the spoiler section. Okay. I guess we're having a spoiler section. Yeah. yeah. For GI Joe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we might as well. Okay. Uh, Willie, what what are your thoughts on <clears throat> GI Joe Retaliation? Well, I mean, you guys know how I feel about the first one, um, and I I think some of those things that I didn't like about the first one were were kind of rectified in this a little bit, but I, I still feel rectify. like rectify. Um, this this one still kind of has a has trouble fully embracing the the G.I. Joe goofiness and the camp. And one thing I loved about the Avengers was that they weren't afraid to embrace the comic bookiness of it all. I mean, they, they, they kept it, they kept it grounded enough to not feel completely like, what am I watching? I'm watching a cartoon, you know? Yeah. But they embraced the comic bookiness of it. And, um, with this, it's like they sometimes they want to and other times they don't. Mm-hmm. You know, any time that there's anything involving ninjas on screen, it feels very G.I. Joe. Okay. You know, um, the mountain yeah. battle and stuff like that. Um, and any time Cobra's on screen, any of the Cobra troops are on screen, it feels very G.I. Joe. Yeah. But uh, the first few action scenes in the movie don't feel particularly G.I. Joe to me. They feel like a, a bunch of guys shooting people there's no there's no sense of of fun and 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 cheese factor and like that these guys are special at things they're just shooting guns yeah they just feel like a SWAT team they don't you know what I mean so that was that was a little disappointing to me and I don't know it it, I wish it could have been more fun and just embraced the the ridiculousness of it all Mm -hmm. um the only other thing that I the only well I have more complaints but we'll get into those in spoilers the only other Complaint I want to talk about now is that I knew this was going to happen. Um, I'm a continuity guy. Yeah. Continuity mistakes drive me nuts for whatever reason. Um, and this is... <laughs> it's a sequel. I mean, it is. It follows up on the story of the first one. 
but it doesn't feel like a sequel because we're dealing with like an almost an entirely new cast. Yeah. And and I didn't need to see those people from the first one back, but I would have liked to have had some sort of closure. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they try to wrap that up a little bit in the opening, kind of explaining to you what happened since the first one. The Nanomite Wars. The Nanomite Wars, <laughs> which... I thought it was hilarious because it's like the Clone Wars in Star Wars. Like yeah. it's like some untold history we're going to learn about in like an animated series down the road or something. Oh yeah. Um, but I I wish there was at least a mention of. It just felt strange to see things like uh, Channing Tatum and The Rock seem like they're best friends. Mm-hmm. And then what happened to Marlon Wayans' character? What happened to Ripcord? Yeah. They were supposed to be like friends for life. It just. There's little moments like that where I'm like, I mean, I know it shouldn't bug me because who really cares? There's plenty of GI Joes to choose from, but just because I did enjoy the first one, I, I, I thought Marlon Wayans was funny. I, I, I thought he, you know, I, I enjoyed him. Yeah. I would have liked to have known, you know, maybe what happened. So that bugged me a little bit. Um, but other than that, I mean, Adrian Palicki, we need to mention this real quick. Mm-hmm. Bringing the heat. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I thought Scarlet looked good in the first one, but. Lady J is looking better. Just saying. Yeah. Holy moly. Um, and <laughs> I have to mention uh, the RZA, RZA, real quick, and how that moment where he showed up and tried to be an old Asian man basically took me out of the movie completely. I mean, I was <laughs> I was stifling laughter when he came on screen. I knew he was in the movie, but I kind of forgot right before I watched it. And then as soon as he came out, I started laughing because I'm like, oh my god, that's right. They cast him in this role. <laughs> I mean, I... I know it didn't bug Tim as much. Not at all. It didn't no, really no. bug Tim, but... As much, you mean at all. At all. <laughs> but my thing is, if they had chosen to fully embrace the, the goofy, campy, G.I. Jonas of it all, it probably would have been more acceptable. Yeah. Because they didn't, he seemed so out of place to yeah. me. Especially in in the ninja portion, where they're like all like zen-like, and, you know, I mean, and here's... He's like this dunder-headed, you must avenge the people... Like uh, uh, oh, God, what was his? What was anyway. the? What was the master? What was his name? <clears throat> the hard master. The hard, the master. The hard master. <laughs> it's my RZA. It seemed like he was trying to play Splinter, like he was auditioning for Michael Bay's Turtles. Most embrace the hard master. <laughs> no, it was weird. I, I, oh, man. yeah. So RZA, not great, and yeah. it makes me want to see Man with the Iron Fists less. I know it has the opposite effect on you, Tim, but. For me personally, I've I've steered clear of the man of the Iron Fist, unfortunately, because I haven't heard good things. But um, no, you're you're right, you're right, and like I've I've said, if they met RZA at his level, it'd be fine. But <laughs> RZA's obviously doing a throwback to old martial arts movies. Like that's the obvious thing he's going for. So I I appreciate that, and it's just it. I it, it didn't bug me because I was laugh I was laughing too, but in a Go Rizza, like you were laughing with the movie. <laughs> yeah, I was laughing with Rizza. Like I knew, like me and Riv, I was on. Let's face, I was on Rizza's level. That's true. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I had I had fun with this movie, but it's certainly it's the GI Joes are so inherently American, so that if you take like a plot point is to make them enemies of the state, it's it feels really like wrong and disjointed, like. It certainly feels like they're not embracing the spirit of G.I. Joe in the first place. That's interesting that you said yeah. that. Yeah, like it's that's... becoming kind of an alarming trend in movies over the last few years is taking people that work, that are heroes of one particular nation or, or something and turning them 
framing yeah. them or turning them against that born something like you know, that like, yeah kind of batman yeah so bond even a little bit yeah and it's it just especially with gi joe like gi joe was american wartime propaganda that's what it was back in the real day. american hero yeah. yeah and so to have this movie where it's like oh you guys are enemies of the state you know like that's it's just it kind of undercuts the ideals of G.I. Joe, and, and in that sense, I feel like it really limits the, the film, and, you know, they spend a lot of the time in hiding, and there's very few of them, and, you know, we'll get into it more in spoilers, but it just, it doesn't feel like it's on the level that it needs to be, much like with RZA, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I feel like the characters that were in the first movie, they're much more well-defined especially like Flint, uh, DJ Cortana's character. Cortana? Whatever his name is. Um, Katrona. He, what, yeah, like as Tim said, he was a void. As an actor, he was a void, and as a character, he was a void, because I don't know what his specialty was. And then Lady J, it was like, oh, she's a hot chick. Like, what? (laughs) what is her... G.I. Joe, like, specialty. She's good at ballroom dancing. Yeah, exactly. See, I, so, oh, sorry. No, go ahead, Tim. No, I just always... I'm going to stick up for um, Adrian Palicki a little bit here because I always feel bad for female actor, well, females in these type of movies because they're never giving anything to do other than look really hot. So, no. And then... Yeah. So it's hard for me to judge him. Cartoon, on the other hand. But, no, but, like, so, and I thought she was fine in that, and she obviously had a lot more charisma. Actually, she had a lot more charisma than a lot of people that were on screen a lot of the time. So, I'll give her that much, but she's not given much to do other than... At least they gave her character. Yeah, at least they tried to give her character, or gave her character a little bit of something. Yeah, Yeah. background, yeah. Like, DJ Catrona was reduced to just sitting there trying to decide whether or not he should go for it or not. Yeah, and I'm making the wrong decision. <laughs> and I, I should clarify, it's not like I'm... I'm Adrian Palicki was not the problem here. Okay. I, I, she was fantastic in, in Friday Night Lights, and I know, and she's, you know, she's a great actor, but it's, uh, it's just sad that, like, these characters don't, you know... In the first one, it's kind of... They're almost kind of barely there in the sense that some of them have weapons that they, that they stick to, and... and but there, there is no like costume to it. We kind of talked about it last week. They don't, they don't. They're almost kind of wearing the 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 camouflage or whatever they end up wearing throughout the movie, and it doesn't. They don't have their identities in that sense. But they do with the way they fight or the weapons that they're using or what the the actions that they do throughout the movie. With just these like three characters, with Roadblock and Lady J and Flint, it doesn't really feel like they're extremely well defined to me. And I and I think that's something that ultimately hurts the film but um but no it was a lot of fun and jonathan price certainly he does chew the scenery a lot and, and has fun with the role which you know it was interesting to watch and, and um all in all you know it's a popcorn movie but it's one of those ones you know don't rush out to see it maybe check it out on on, on blu-ray if you're uh a big G.I. Joe fan when it comes out. I'll watch it on cable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, I, I feel, if, if we compare this to what happened last week, uh, I feel as though this one I might have been a little bit disappointed if I did buy it on Blu-ray without, you know, sight unseen. Sure. But, it, you know, it's it's just, as long as you walk into it not, you know, expecting Oscar-worthy performances or, or 
an extremely compelling story. I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah, but, a lot of fun with it. Yeah, and uh, but I don't want to say it's worth the price of admission alone, but the mountain fighting scene is amazing. Yeah, it's really good. Like <laughs> that that is that was pure entertainment on screen right there. So um do we want to give it a quick letter grade or something before before we move on here? Yeah, sure. I think if I I, I gave it a B B minus without seeing it with you guys, the the, the original one. Mm-hmm. That's what I without seeing it with you guys. I'd probably stick this one at a B minus seeing it with you guys. Like I don't that might even be a little high for me. Yeah. Maybe maybe C plus B minus. I was gonna say C plus. I mean I think with with a couple beers in you and a good group of friends, it could be elevated to like a B minus, B even maybe. I can see that, yeah. Um it's gonna be a great party movie. It really is. So I but seeing it in the theater, not being able to interact with the people I was watching it with, I would say C plus is fair. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Tim, what do you think? I'm gonna go B minus. Um yeah. could go either well, well, could go either way depending on I'm going C plus sober, B with about six beers in me. So I'm settling <laughs> on B minus. Jesus. Okay. What what would you have given uh the rise of Cobra as a letter grade? Just off the top of your head. B Yeah. B. I'll go B. I'll 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 go Cobra a little better. But Okay. Nick I think I gave Cobra B plus B plus A minus. Plus, I think a minus you, yeah. The, yeah. This one I'm at I'm at C plus. Okay. Probably. Uh, C, yeah, C plus B minus. I don't know. The movie just kind of flickers back and forth between those two. Yeah. It has it has a lot of fun moments, but overall, I'd say it's probably C plus. All right. So uh, we're gonna take a short break, and uh, then we'll go into spoiler territory for GI Joe: The So stick there. Alright, so we are in spoiler territory for G.I. Joe Retaliation. Tim, I hear you have some spoilers you want to talk about. I'm not um, familiar with G.I. Joe that much. I remember a little bit of the cartoon um, from when I was younger. A little bit of the Larry Hama run. Yeah. But was there a British G.I. Joe? I don't know. Most likely. Okay. Because there should have been one in this movie. Because he would have been the only one that cared about London being below. (laughs) (laughs) Because nobody cares that everybody in London just died. <laughs> like, they don't care. They're just mad Channing. They have to get revenge for Channing Tatum. They don't care about avenging London. So that would have been nice if they could have put Tim, that in there. That's... that was the absolute best lead-in to that <laughs> that there could possibly have ever been. Yeah, it just gets completely swept under the rug that London is yeah. completely destroyed. Which, this can lead into my, my particular... Um, Spoiler that I want to talk about. Number one, you cannot destroy London with a large rod of tungsten. Of anything. It it doesn't work that way. I mean, number one, okay, 
So the idea is that you're dropping a platinum tube, a hollow platinum tube with tungsten in it from orbit. Okay? It's going to reach terminal velocity. Uh, the platinum might end up melting, possibly. I, I, I can't say that for sure. But this is the size of a satellite in a warehouse that we saw Cobra Commander in earlier on. And it hits the ground in London. And everything explodes. Like, the crust of the earth is now open because this, this rod hit the ground. <laughs> I don't know if we know this, but we've had, like, satellites that are larger than the one that they put up there. And we've had space stations hit the ground before. And it hasn't caused so much as a crater. <laughs> so you're not going to eradicate London with the, with the rod of tungsten. I'm sorry. <laughs> But I mean, it had nanomites in it. No, it didn't. The <laughs> nanomite wars are over, Willie. <laughs> but the nanomite battle has just begun. <laughs> it's, I'm sorry to pick apart the science of a G.I. Joe film once again, but seriously, you... I mean, everything he was talking about with his uber weapon went over my head anyway, so I and, didn't even know what they were launching into the ground. And that's probably... Willie, I know, Willie, I know you, and I know G.I. Joe. That went under your head. Yes. Like, there was, yeah, like, no. Like, under my chin, Willie. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'll appreciate. Like, you're just too smart to, like, even realize, like, because it's just really dumb. <laughs> so. I appreciate the idea of making a weapon that has no nuclear fallout yet all of the destructive capabilities of mass genocide, but. This ain't it. This isn't the way to do it, guys. And <laughs> Keep trying. Maybe, maybe it's like Fight Club where they switch the. Uh, the nitroglycerin recipe out because they don't want people actually making nitroglycerin. Maybe they're like, we don't want people making these weapons of mass destruction, so we're going to hold it back a little bit. But maybe, maybe we're missing the extra little piece that made it all, you know, come back together. But I just said it's G.I. Joe and rolled with it. No. <laughs> he D can't do that. The thousands of little robotic fireflies this big that can destroy buildings well i mean if you have some like really good explosive in those things and i don't know maybe nanomites all right willie you got some some bones to pick i know no i'm um bones and not bones uh i gotta talk about snake eyes and storm shadow a little bit okay um i was really really psyched uh to see what was promised as a 15 minute fight um just Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow on screen for 15 minutes with no music, just the sound, just the sounds of their battle. That didn't happen. <laughs> um, that lasted for about three minutes. They didn't even hit each other with swords, and then they it devolved into them rolling around in the snow like a couple of girls pulling each yeah. other's hair. That really bugged me. It starts off so promising when he's throwing the ninja star. That's probably my favorite part of the movie. When 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 Storm Shadow's throwing ninja stars and Snake Eyes is shooting them, shooting them out with the that, Uzi. That was Ugh. so cool. Um, <laughs> the Uzi. And you know, but it, when it was actually happening, it was great. And then, like I said, it just devolves into a a cat fight. Um, and I, I really was looking forward to the possibility of Storm Shadow, um, not joining the Joes, but teaming up with them for you know against a common enemy because he's done that before in yeah. GI Joe, you know, canon. Um, and that that was cool. I mean, it was really cool to see him and Snake Eyes, you know, back to back fighting all these other guys. But 
I wasn't nuts about the twist involving Storm Shadow, and I don't know yeah. how accurate that is to the comics or the cartoon or whatever, but I wasn't nuts about it. I feel like it it made Storm Shadow into a just kind of a, I don't know, a stupid little kid that got framed for something. Like, I like it better when he's an ass and you he stabbed what? the guy. Like I, I just realized that that's the scene that Vosloo actually had to show up for, was ripping off the makeup <laughs> of the, that the is dojo true. master. That is true. You never know, it it might have been his brother, Bernard Vosloo. Bernard Vosloo. (laughs) Um, So that, uh, I I liked him teaming up with the Joes, but I wasn't nuts about them altering the backstory. I liked the idea of him killing the Hardmasters. Yeah. Um, The only other thing I want to talk about is uh, Mouse, played by Joe Mazzello, I believe is is Mouse. Mouse is the character. Mm -hmm. Yeah. he seemed like a really cool addition to to the Joe's team. Like he out of all the new uh characters added to the movie, he seemed like he had his own unique uh skills and stuff. Like he felt like yeah. a, you know, I understood why he was on the team. And I was really bummed to see him get killed off so early. I was like, why is Flint alive and this guy that seemed kind of cool and interesting was and I thought it would have been more fun to have kind of the nerdy Joe Mazzello paired up with Adrian Palicki too because like yeah I think their chemistry was way better than anything between I, I know and so Lady that J. that bums me out I feel like Catrona was there more so as kind of a replacement for Tatum to bring the heat um, the heat, no one can ever replace Channing Tatum's heat let's be honest yeah um, am I right Tim you're dead <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, that being said uh, I just I had this vision of his character on the battlefield. You know, in this big, huge battlefield. Mouse, Mouse, the character of Mouse, yeah. He has this gun where he actually has to physically turn the gun to control the bullet, where the bullet's Mm -hmm. going. And I just thought it would be funny to have a shot of him in the middle of a battlefield (laughs) spinning around. And, like, like he he looks like he's dancing, you know, like he's pointing up and down and, like, just the other guy's just staring at him, like, what are you doing right now? I don't know. It just, just to mirror the Call of Duty scene between the yeah, rock and... Yeah, that would have been a lot of fun. Yeah. So, um, anyway, but that's that's about it. I wish that they wouldn't have wouldn't have offed that character so Yeah, really. so. I can understand that. They needed a techie guy on that team, and they didn't have one. No, and so. that's, that's one of the things that I suppose I, I wanted to talk about, too, is that it really sucks for you to take this wide cast of characters and crunch it down to three or four people, and then just ultimately have it be about these three people that really just end up shooting guns, you know? Yeah. yeah. Re- you really lose some of the sense of G.I. Joe, or what I know as G.I. Joe, but, you know. There are better ways to handle... I, I don't mind the idea of the G.I. Joes being kind of on-the-run type thing. I, it wasn't. It didn't bug me that they got framed for something. What bugged me was the killing of every G.I. Joe with the exception of, like, four. Yeah. And, and four, like, relatively uninteresting G.I. Joes. Um... They could have easily found a way to make the G.I. Joes have to go underground. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Or, I don't know. They could have, there, there were other ways around it, and I felt like that was kind of cheap. But Yeah, I can, I can understand that. I, I feel, I do have a problem with them being on the run, but I feel like maybe it would have been a little bit better if they did encapsulate the, the team aspect a little more and had more of a team than just the three people and... Yeah, or maybe even like left left for dead in enemy territory or something. Yeah. And they had to, you know, like, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Instead of just happening like... across an airport in the middle of the desert. But. Mm-hmm. 
I like the scene when Rock went back to his hood to meet D Ray. <laughs> that was Dave. awesome. Yeah, he did. Oh. Yeah. That, was. that reminded me of the cartoon a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Miley Cyrus and Ryan Seacrest. Yeah, what was that joke? Because that didn't make a lot of sense because neither one of them looked like either is one that of just them. Like, like, is... He calls him Ryan Seacrest in Sequest. Ryan Sequest. Sequest. <laughs> DSB. Yeah. And... Amazing. And like, he looks. I don't know if he's noticed, but like they're different. They have different skin tones. DJ Corona and Ryan Sequest. So I don't. <laughs> I didn't understand the joke by D Ray. Like I. Yeah, it's I, strange. D Ray and I weren't on the same level. I'm <laughs> Maybe John M Chu, the auteur, was like, "Hey, I've got this joke that we should throw in here." And he's just <laughs> well, not as good at as good at it as he hoped. You don't question the Chew, so. It's true. It's it's true. that's the end of the podcast that's a wrap yeah I think we're a little short today but you know with the lack of film news it's you ended on the chew joke yeah well did did Nick talk about anything no do do you have any spoilers you wish to talk about I do the guy who was deriding the spoiler section for G.I. Joe earlier on in the podcast I just wanted to keep going I just wanted to keep going alright well here go ahead this is your time yes down here this is our time um out there is our destiny all i uh all i wanted to say was just that i think the it seemed like a cool idea at first to be like oh wow they're killing off a bunch of joes and they're like going underground and on the run but then as i was watching the movie unfold i'm like this is so anti-gi joe it sucks oh yeah because that's always been one of the sweetest things about gi joe is there's like 400 of them at all times it's like the a-team but if they have like a billion members well gi joe renegades the the cartoon that was on recently like within the last year or two that's the plot the plot is literally the a-team but gi joe's they even drive around in a van the big black guy drives (laughs) i'm not joking and there's like five of them and they get framed for a crime they didn't commit, and they're on the run from the government while simultaneously trying to take down this evil pharmaceutical company called Cobra. So basically take Umbrella from Resident Evil and take the A-Team and combine them, and that's G.I. Joe Renegades. But it's not a terrible cartoon. I watched like probably like 12 of the episodes, and it, it's, it has a lot in the spirit of G.I. Joe and kind of the A-Team still, where they, they're on the run from everybody, but they're still trying to do good deeds, and a lot yeah. of them are really funny. But it gets into the G.I. Joe mythos in a really cool way. And they have a lot of the obscure G.I. Joes like Shipwreck and Snowjob and those guys that show up throughout. So it's kind of neat. But um, I, I really think it was a huge blunder for the movie to, to reduce the G.I. Joes to like three. Because that's stupid. Yeah. I mean, we saw the whole pit in the first one. There's like hundreds of people in there training. And they're all in the G.I. Joe program or whatever you want to call it. Where was Brendan Fraser? Where was Brendan Fraser as gung-ho? <laughs> Where was he? Um, I think it was it was also a, a huge bummer that they had cast uh, Ryan Hansen, aka Kyle from Party Down, as one of the random Joes that's with him in the desert, and then oh yeah, and then yeah, he's yeah, just yeah, dead. And yeah. I was like, what the hell, man? Yeah. I was excited about that. I was like, man, he could have some really awesome banter with the other guys. Tim, I feel like Tim wants to break in. No, I happy Nick brought that up because I thought the same thing. Like, and he shows up for about a second, and he has a couple and funny. He says something really yeah. funny. And then he... That dude's really scared. funny. I mean, he's super funny. He's very... Willie, you might remember... Do you remember him? You know who we're he talking about? He was the one running, running around like, woo, every five yeah. seconds. Yeah. yeah, the the blonde guy from the Friday the 13th remake. Yeah. Yep. He's so, he's yep. he's hilarious in the Friday the 13th remake. 
He's really yeah, talented. Yeah, really funny. I mean, he's really so. funny. In he's that. also I, I've never really watched it, but I know he's one of the leads in Veronica Mars too. Yeah, he's really good on Veronica Mars too. Yeah. So. But uh, and like you said, Willie, you 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 described it perfectly. They needed a techie guy, and the mouse seemed like he was he had a good. When I heard Joseph Mazzella, I was like, really the kid from Jurassic Park? All right, he's grown up now. But, but he even looked cool. He looked like, good, yeah. And he yeah. was like, oh, the sharpshooter, that's neat. They could have used that guy, kind of mm-hmm. like they had the, the cool sniper guy in the, the movie The Losers. You kind of need these varying areas of expertise, and they, they didn't have them. They had run and, run and jump hug people guy, a.k.a. DJ Cortana. <laughs> and, yeah. like, did he actually kill anyone the whole movie? I just saw him, him just being the jockey from Left 4 Dead to everybody. Yeah, he was just kind of... Parkouring it was really, it was really goofy. Um, well, and you couldn't even see him parkouring because John John M. Chu was it yeah, John yeah. M. Chu? Uh, John and John M. Chu. Uh, he refuses to pull the camera back yeah. half the time, and I don't understand it because he directed dance a dance movie, so he knows how to do things. He just doesn't do them until other than the the uh, mountain fight. Yeah. yeah. I'm really. So it's just a lot of. There was an interview. Awkward. Uh, a lot of hugging. A lot of hug fighting. <laughs> and a lot of real. It was like a UFC battle. Yeah, it was. There was a. There was an interview with the two writers too, just before the movie came out, and I read some snippets of it, and it was really interesting. I wish um, that I had had read it again just before this, because they had some interesting things to say about the nature of the movie, how they were kind of like they wanted to sort of reboot, but they. They really liked how the first movie ended with with uh, Zartan being in the White House, and they wanted to pick it up there. Yeah, but they also said that like Channing Tatum didn't really want to be in the movie, yeah. and they were all, they were kind of confused clearly about what to do and which way to go. And uh, it's just it's a weird movie, and uh, it was and that goes back again to that kind of sort of sequel, but not really. And that's that honestly, like I, I I'm sorry, but make up your mind. Well, yeah, no, and I, it's something that we've seen in X Men: First Class too, and First Class, also, which is a it's a great movie, but it certainly has some like big issues slash discrepancies of like, are you trying to be a sequel or are you trying or are you trying to be a reboot or what are you like? What is are you supposed to be? And in the, line? the guys seem like they like Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, I think are their names. They. Uh, they seem to have a good grasp on what makes a good like fan service kind of movie. Like yeah. apparently their Deadpool script is mind-blowingly perfect for the material, and everybody seems to universally say it's awesome. Um, and Zombieland is obviously great fun. I just think that they couldn't quite get it with this movie. But they also went through tons of different drafts. They said in the interview, yeah. literally, they're like, "We had one whole one where Duke was the protagonist, then we rewrote it and Flint was the protagonist, and then we rewrote it where The Rock is the protagonist." They said we literally just the movie kept changing yeah. what it was, and I think that the movie we got was just a weird like them being like fuck here it is it's a hodgepodge like, here's the stuff. movie make it. But the uh, the one thing that I was super pumped about in this one was Snake Eyes having his Uzi again. Yeah, I was so sto- so stoked for that because I had so many Snake Eyes toys as a kid, and he always had that same Uzi. And in the first movie, he had a pistol, and I was like, what is this? No <laughs> Uzi, the one gun you cannot be accurate with. And he's shooting ninja stars out of the air and not reloading. It's perfect. Um, and it was really cool to see Firefly. Firefly is my favorite Cobra character. Yeah. And he was pretty well done, Ray Stevenson, with his weird choice of Alabama by way of Ireland accent. <laughs> was uh, yeah. really cool. Yeah. But he, he was he was cool. He had a cool action scene where he broke into the prison. Yeah. But um, His exploding bike. Yeah, that, that came into all these different parts. Yeah, yeah it was awesome. It, and the movie got a lot more of the vehicle type stuff right I think like like yeah. we said earlier 
But in terms of the five years passing and like being like, oh, how is this person there? Where are these people? The number one thing that I was immediately like, what is why was there no explanation whatsoever of how Storm Shadow is even alive? Yeah. Like yeah. he got stabbed in the chest. Yes, he does. I twice mean... and fell into ice water, which then was collapsed on by the ice cap. Like Alex really loved his favorite part of Rise of, Rise of Cobra. Like, how, what? <laughs> yeah, there was no... And I think that that's something where, like, they didn't want to have to take the time to explain guys, it. So Guys, it was the nanomites. nanomites. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't really care. But I it's, mean, it's one of those things where right? they didn't want to take the time to explain it. And so, therefore, they went five years of nanomite wars. It probably happened at some point then. Yeah. It's just weird that nobody in the movie is like, Storm Shadow, he's back. Like, even, like, Snake Eyes. They expect him to be back. They well, like. No. They like... They, they clearly built in this idea that there's this old lady that has this technology in her healing suite up on top of a mountain that can take <laughs> care of this somewhat mild burn on Byung Hoon Lee's back. It was just weird that they didn't even show yeah. or even in any way acknowledge the fact that he was no. pretty much left for dead at the end of the first movie. Yeah. It was weird. I, I mean, think, it's, yeah. I don't, whatever. It would have been nice to see, like, instead of getting the, here's the profiles of the people that were in the last movie, and then, you know, the Nanomite Wars, it would have been cool to see a more um, Watchmen or X-Men Origins kind of sure. connected tissue between uh, the first movie and this one. I always kind of wince when segments like that happen in movies, because then, like, the number one thing that they always teach people with, like, writing is... It's it's movies. It's show, not tell. You don't tell what's going on. Yeah. And I always think of the Resident Evil movies where yeah. they have this visual. My name is Alice. Yes. Here's your lost recap episode for exactly. all the Resident Evil movies. It's the laziest, dumbest way of recapping what happened. Yeah. I'd rather see like sepia tone f- footage from the first movie showing <laughs> me what happened than having a little Skype window like we got here of Tim being like. Here's what happened in the G.I. Joe Wars. Yeah. yeah. Well, who would be the Alex Ross of G.I. Joe comics? They could have done that, like Spider-Man 2 did. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, exactly. Well, Alex Ross. Yeah. Oh, my God. And Alex Ross, G.I. Joe? <laughs> what? I, they, they didn't have the money for him. They it's spent true. it all on... They spent it all on They the certainly had the scene. time. <laughs> the mountain scene and photoshopping Bruce Willis into his performance. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually Jeff Bridges oh. as Bruce Willis. <laughs> Or Andy Circus. Oh man, I'm 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 really the, yeah. The Nanomites ate Bruce Willis's like enthusiasm. <laughs> I think I'm really I'm I'm really excited for the fact that there's going to be a third one, and I hope that they kind of can strike the middle ground between the first two. That'd I almost cool. hope they bring on new writers. Yeah, I, I don't have I, I had relatively high hopes for this one, and I mean it's not high hopes, but I had relatively. Based on the first one, you know, expectations, and I, I don't have very high expectations like that for that third one. Not after seeing this. I could be proven wrong, but about, I mean, I don't, I just, I don't know. I just hope for the third one, they, they go, they really, I know it won't happen, but it'd be really awesome if they just were like, let's make this full-on G.I. Joe and have goofy costumes and weird specialties yeah. for Joes and have like 80 of them. Like, I think Gojo and I were talking about on the way back from the movie, and I was like, how awesome would it be if you just cast all these, like, esteemed actors in this movie and just made the script a lot of fun to the point where it would attract guys, or maybe at least have guys like Willem Dafoe as, like, a G.I. Joe, and uh, <laughs> yeah. Liam Neeson. 
We were saying that we would want like Joe Carnahan to direct it because he totally nailed the A team, yeah. that kind of vibe. It'd be so funny. Have Liam Neeson as like the like, Quaid type character. Liam Neeson. Oh god, it'd be so good. <laughs> Actors like that with material like the first movie would be like the best movie ever. I'd I'd see it ten times. Yeah. All right. Tim, any? They're not gonna have. They're not gonna have the budget. I know. No. For that. No, I'm. <laughs> the thing is, you can. No, with... I'd be excited. But no, they're gonna cut the budget even further. Probably. And try to make their money back by the third. Maybe. One. Like these. Maybe are... they can reuse the uh, the Destro uh, graphics from the first film. <laughs> the first so. film, I. Or they the could, only. They could probably reuse Bruce Willis's performance. <laughs> <laughs> the only special effect in the first movie that bothers me is the Destro face, and the rest of them are not great. But I don't care. I'm like, yeah. whatever. It's Gia Jill. Like the Eiffel the one Tower. That sticks out, isn't the uh, underwater stuff really bad? It's so awesome, though. It just doesn't even matter. Yeah, it uh, is. Yeah, it but, is okay. cheesy, but the 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 concept of it is so Gia Jill that I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever. I'm totally okay. down. Okay, I can see that. It's been a it's been a while since I. Oh, it's definitely low budge CGI. Yeah. Like, I don't know where... Although in that movie, I can see more of $175 million than I can $200 million in X-Men well, like, Origins Wolverine. Two, two-thirds yeah. of that went to Quaid, but, I mean... The yeah, Quaid yeah. percentage is high, yeah. <laughs> That's probably why they couldn't get him back for this one, because he is $130 million. <laughs> All right. When you're only left with... Do the know, math yeah, on that. $45 million to make the rest of your movie. Yeah. <laughs> There's... Yeah. That's what you end up with. Eight. Yeah, 80, 10, and 10. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think that's about all that we have on G.I. Joe. No, a... but we'll cap it here. Yeah. We'll I ice mean, cap it here. The ice pack. Ice blow, pack. blow the ice pack. We can blow the ice pack on this episode right here. Um, yeah, so music and artwork by my brother, at Mr. John, on Twitter. Uh, I'm at johnd1703 we got at hemowiliac for willy and we should say he's not trying to be offensive there he is a hemophiliac but why did I offend somebody no I just feel like hemowiliac like if if nobody knew that about you they'd be like why would that be somebody's twitter account yeah I guess you're right that's true I have hemophilia that's true legit yeah yeah and then nick is at nick blauvelt on twitter no offense to anybody out there No offense to other Blavelts. To other, Blav- other Nick Blavelts, <laughs> of which there are two others on Facebook. Tim is um, T. Long on the website. He has a really good uh, Arrow recap that he wrote a long time ago. It is ago. really good. Oh, I'm on. I'm T. Long 1TW. On yes, you are. You are. Right. None of us tweet Am I T. Long? Uh, no, I'm Tim Long. Tim Long 1TW. Yes. Okay. All right. I only, I only retweet fake Prince quotes. Okay. <laughs> so go go to Tim if you want fake fake Prince quotes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, apologies to Kyle XY. We'll get to you someday. We will. <laughs> Poor, Kyle XY was taken in the nanobite. Once, I think I think Tim destroyed this the rest of this episode with his Prince fake Prince quote. But uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Uh, feedback at feedback. <laughs> feedback. Questions, food for thought questions, anything can go to feedback at midwestfilmers.com. And uh, I think that's about it. It's been a pleasure talking with you, Tim. Yes, Tim. I hope uh, you're back in the mitten sometime soon. And hopefully we can we can have you here in, in real life. Or maybe I'll have to invest in uh, some, some Will I Am like hologram. But uh, other than that, I think that's about it, and uh, go watch a movie.